Welcome to Third Fridays, the monthly legal talk show from Lois LLC featuring attorney Christian Cisan. This is the original forum in which real attorneys discuss workers' compensation issues, share their opinions, and engage in colorful conversations. This show showcases diverse perspectives of attorneys handling workers' comp cases, including case law trends, practical litigation strategies, and hot topics. Here's your host, Christian Cisan. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the March 2023 edition of the Third Fridays podcast. My name is Christian Cison, and I guess I'll start off by correcting myself uh, from the previous month's episode where uh, I fell in line with uh, most of the world in the early stages of 2023 by quoting the year as 2022. Uh, But, you know, two months in, I can now say that I am learning that the year has actually switched to 2023, and I hope you all can forgive me. Uh, But last month's episode, was really, really great. Uh, I talked about uh, a new landmark game changer case in the state of New Jersey. Uh, I had two attorneys on uh, to talk about a medical provider application that involved a treating physician who had uh, been paid by a New York workers' compensation carrier for treatment rendered in New Jersey, but then filed a lawsuit in the New York Uh, New Jersey Workers' Compensation Division to have excess fees added under a usual and customary standard. We obtained a decision from a judge who looked at our briefs, our pleadings, and decided that there was a jurisdictional question that wasn't answered by that treating provider, and we believe that it's going to change medical provider applications in that great state of New Jersey. Uh, So if you haven't listened to it, it is one of our most highly listened to episodes of the past year. Uh, So, and I'm not saying just the last two months, the last 12 months. Uh, So take a listen if you want to uh, come on board the train. We're certainly running through uh, medical provider applications based on this great decision. Today and this month, I've got two great guests, uh, which is always interesting for me because I'm so used to talking with people I see every day. And uh, I had a great uh, email uh, from a representative from uh, this great organization that I've gotten to know in the past few weeks and do my own research. Uh, So I'm very happy to welcome uh, Robert Wilson and Mark Pugh to uh, the Third Fridays podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. I appreciate it. So uh, to announce uh, everybody and introduce you guys, uh, uh, Robert or Bob, uh, you're the president of Work Comp College, and Mark, you are uh, the provost of Work Comp College. So maybe I'll start with you, Bob, as uh, El Presidente, uh, you know, the, the head guy. Uh, what is Work Comp College? What, what, what should not only uh, my attorneys and my paralegals know about it, but uh, our clients and, and our prospects that listen to me, uh, you know, yabber on about uh you know workers compensation every month what, what what's important about you guys well thanks christian i'm happy to do that although i have to say i'm stressed to learn that it's actually 2023 because i'm still working on things that i didn't wanted to get done in 2022 so that is a little distressing to know, you know resolutions are, are a tough thing we don't need to we could pace ourselves right so just <laughs> yeah. we just set goals that are achievable that's what uh you know really we ha- we can only be honest about right achievable that's goals true. and reaching them that's true. Well, actually, we had a pretty productive 2022. WorkCompCollege.com uh, was founded uh, last year, and we went live on November 17th. It is a virtual training program designed for professionals in the workers' compensation system. And the, what is unique about our program, I think, versus some of the others, one, others that are out there, and there's some very competent programs out there. They're all very technical in nature. 
Ours is really the first one whose foundation is based on the biopsychosocial uh, understandings, uh, the what we call workers' recovery, whole person recovery management, that really is trying to work with professionals to get them to better understand the importance of communication, both in verbal communication, written, listening skills, uh, understanding the emotional intelligence of the injured workers that we, we manage, and to really understand, as my, my friend Mark Pugh uh, coined, the, I'm going to steal his phrase, I have to give him credit um, to understand what's that what's going on between the ears of the injured workers is, is as important as the physical injury they suffered and we've developed a, a program that mark will tell you more about um, that really encompasses a, 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 again his phrase work comp 360 picture uh, to help professionals not only understand how better to interact with these injured workers and understand the processes that are driving some of the results and sometimes often negative results um, but also uh, to understand where in the industry your position actually fits, why you're important, what your position means. You know, you folks, you know, we were interested in your podcast, your, your defense firm. Uh, and, and there are times probably where you deal with cases where adjusters maybe could have handled something a slightly different that would have made your case a little easier coming in. Um, and we're trying to really make sure that, that um, we can reduce some of those, those mistakes that, that can cause problems. And a lot of those mistakes are based on not understanding where people are coming from and what's going on in their lives outside of the injury. Mark, did I misspeak on that at all? Uh, no. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Mark. Oh, <laughs> I, Mark's pa- I think Mark was pausing for that that effect where he wanted us to laugh at that answer. But that, that right, just pause, absolutely. Right, dramatic effect, really. Yeah, it's um, we we there has been a lack of really good quality training, systemic strategic training for especially claims adjusters and claims examiners that was very prevalent 5, 10, 15 years ago, but now it's kind of, uh, you know, we'll hire anybody that can fog a mirror and we'll have them dump them into uh, a pool of 250 claims. Um, and we're going to hope that on jo- on the job training, uh, some mentorship, different things might happen and might, might work with that. Um, and there's a lot of great training programs in there, but systemically, it's not really what it used to be. And so we really felt like that the combination of the needed hard skills and soft skills uh, in order to recruit and retain uh, talent is really important um, because we've got a lot of empty seats. I don't know about your firm, Christian, if you've got all the attorneys that you need and the paralegals that you need and all the staff that you need. Um, there's a lot of restaurants that don't have that staff. There's uh, you know, there's pretty much every business out there and work comp is not exempt from that. Um, so how do you bring people in in order to um, – you know, to, to fill those seats and to fill those skills, uh, you really need to have a really good mechanism to um, and compelling argument for them to join the, the and we used to call it industry. Bob and I have always called it industry or system. We've gravitated towards calling it the workers' compensation ecosystem, which oh. we think is a better definition because there's so many stakeholders that have this symbiotic relationship with the injured worker in the middle. Um, and how do you create a compelling argument for people to come in and join us and give them the proper training so that they can feel equipped to do that. And that, that's kind of the solution that we're trying to provide um, is that WorkComp 360 that's infused with both hard skills and soft skills. I, I want to clarify some a point, if I could, that Mark made. And, and uh, 
related to you know the some of the, the quality of the people in the industry. I have found there are really good people in this industry, a lot of really good people. So when he mentions that they're looking to hire anybody with a pulse, we're not indicating or trying to indicate that that they they're they were just staffed with a bunch of desperation hires. The reality is we have really good people who are stuck in a process intensive, heavily regulated industry. And some of the things that have developed over the last 15 or 20 years are not really anybody's fault specifically. It's just the way the system has evolved. Whether, you know, when I first joined the industry, my background, I was president and CEO of the website workerscompensation.com for almost 23 years. And when I first joined the industry, um, we really had, there were systems with some pretty effective training after the dot-com bubble burst in 20 in 2000 a lot of that investment and in, uh, income went away for the insurance companies a lot of things got cut some of the training programs were the first to go and people did revert to a, a method of just stealing each other's employees um, now we're running out of people to steal I know this is an audio podcast they people can't see me uh, there's more gray on my face and on my head than I would really care to admit uh, you know and, and people that are marks in my age we turn around there's no one behind us to take our our place and and part of that is because we've evolved through consolidation and and um, an elimination of some of the the training and, and, and responsibilities adjusters and claims professionals used to have uh, now a lot of it's being outsourced and and, uh, and as, a, as a result we haven't become an, an industry that's attractive to to bring people into and that's another part of our message is we really want to rebrand and refocus what the industry does. You talk to someone today who's young, you know, I'm, I'm 62 years old. When I came into the, when I came out of college, you know, it was get a job, suck it up, do your job. If you don't like your job too bad, support your family and do your job. That's the way we were raised. Today, kids coming out of college, they, they want a noble purpose. They want to make a difference. They want to feel they're having an impact in the world. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you ask a kid today about the workers' comp industry, they're going to tell you we're a heavily regulated, paper-shuffling industry that does nothing but speak legalese all day. Um, the reality is if we do it properly, if we do things properly, uh, what, we, what workers' comp really is is an industry that restores broken and shattered lives. We repair, we bring, we restore function and, and, and operating capacity to people who have endured a, a tragic incident in their lives. That's a pretty noble purpose. And if we could, if we could position ourselves and market ourselves that way, we'd be able to attract more people in. So I think that's um, that's a long clarification or of of, of of a single point, but I think it's uh, um, we're really trying to work to create better outcomes for people through this system. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point because uh, you know sometimes I even you know I've been doing this for so long, but anytime I say what I do, right. That's measured in the responses that I get, right? Whether it's at a cocktail party yep. or yep. you know, even uh, you know, my wife will will sometimes tr ask questions. But it's like, well, you know, I'm not sure that that's really what you do, and I, and so it is uh, from the perspective of the person who's outside the industry that should shape really how we market to everybody. Um, you know, Mark, you you mentioned uh, you know companies and businesses having difficulties. With staff everywhere, uh, and you know, I, I feel lucky enough that we're always making these growth hires. Right, we have classes of attorneys and paralegals starting every single month, and that does 
present us with this opportunity to really invest in the person. Uh, you know, we're, we were a small operation that started on September 15th, 2015, uh, after we broke off from a larger firm to, to set up our own shingle. And here we are seven, eight years later where we're making uh, these changes to really ensure that the people that we see every day are actually creating that nobility that you're talking about, right? Uh, you know, in, in a volume industry that's so tough and so uh, unforgiving, especially uh, f uh, in a tough state like New York and New Jersey, yeah. Uh, for for the defense perspective, we yep. always make sure that you know we're pursuing the right ends. And I I, right. I say this sometimes on on other other episodes that really the goal of this entire system is to accept the claims that are compensable and deny uh -huh. the claims that are not. And I think that's right. part of our analysis that sometimes, you know, I'd say, oh, uh, they say, Christian, what do you do? It's like, oh, you know, I, I represent some really big national self-insureds that names that you definitely know that you interact with every day. You purchase their product, you purchase their service. And when I say that, sometimes people say, well, oh, you represent the big bad employers and these large insurance companies that have these deep pockets. And really... Part of our job, too, is saying uh, that certain claims are compensable. Certain claims should right. be settled because this was right. legitimate. And I think that uh, you know you, the investment in the whole person or what's between the years, uh, I would agree that it's probably overlooked just out of volume, right? It's, it's also a system where yep. it takes one bad egg to, to get by and get a six-figure uh -huh. six settlement or a six-figure award that goes and tells his or her friend or his or her family member, right. this is what I did, and then the chain starts. So um, in your program, uh, you know, Bob and Mark, like what, what would you say is, you know, the, the theme you want to uh, give to people who attend the program to say, you know, even in this volume-oriented industry, how do I have the time to stop and think about What's in between the ears? Like, how how do you make that challenge more readily uh, acceptable? To, you know, to make it a, maybe it's maybe it becomes a resolution that they say they can achieve. How does what themes do you push so that people uh, are in line with what you want to to promote and market? That's lined up right with the Mr. Pew there. I think I'm going to let him answer that. I'm happy to take a shot at it, but I think he probably uh, that's right up his alley. Well, you know, we creating a certification out of whole cloth, which we've done with the Workers Recovery Professional or WRP certification, um, is challenging because it doesn't have any tangible value right off the bat. Um, and so what we have done is we've surrounded ourselves with a board of trustees, with deans, with faculty, advisors, uh, clients that have helped us form this program. And it's interesting that several of um, uh, the initial clients that have bought this are looking at this to completely re-engineer their corporate culture. Yep. And so there are a, a couple of the, the companies that are doing our curriculum together. So uh, one in particular is requiring each of their employees to take two courses, predefined pre which courses they're going to take that week, and then they meet on a Friday afternoon and they discuss as a group what they found out about that, the notes that they took, what policies need to change, how they need to communicate internally with, un with one another better, how they communicate with the injured employee, how they connect 
connect and, and communicate with the um, treatment provider. So, you know, we've created curriculum amongst eight different schools, humanities, legal, claims, medical management, risk management, return to work, stakeholders, regulators, legislative, kind of the whole picture that WorkComp 360. Um, and we've created this content. And it's been interesting to see the creativity that the people who buy this have embraced that and go, okay, there are some that are doing it by themselves and they may be kind of the lone ranger and their employer, they're, they're the only one who has taken this and they may be that seed that helps germinate maybe this this culture change, but it's been interesting. Others have been creatively embracing and going, hey, this is an opportunity for us to talk together from C-suite down to, you know, the people that are handling the mailroom, from customer service to attorneys to clinicians to claims adjusters, examiners to supervisors. How are we going to do this differently? How are we going to to your point, Christian, how, how can we take a pause? How can we skip a beat and go, how are we going to do this differently? Do I need to do I need to not talk as much um, and listen more? Do I need to understand what empathy truly is so that I can put myself in the eyes and the feet of that injured employee and kind of understand they don't have great medical literacy. Maybe they don't have a great supporting cast at home that's that's a positive aff affirmation um, that goes to social determinants of health, which is a really big subject now. Maybe they don't have that, and I need to understand. I need to slow down. I don't need to talk in terms of acronyms. I need not to use 75-cent words. I need to use 25-cent words. Uh, I need to ask them if they understand. That kind of stuff will embolden them um, so and empower them and give that injured employee agency where they feel like they now kind of own this because a lot of times injured employees end up being very passive they're like the passenger in the car they may actually be in the back seat like driving miss daisy or they may be in the trunk they have no they they don't have any guidance they don't have any ideas to where this is going they don't feel like they're empowered to guide this or direct this they're just along for the ride and what i think what we'll get better results from is that injured employer our injured employee actually feels like a part of this process, that they own a part of this process. Um, and by virtue of that, and I know this may not necessarily go well with your firm, but uh, you know, one of the things that happens is that they don't per perceive the need to have representation. So they don't get a plaintiff's claimant uh, you know, attorney because they don't feel like the supervisor doesn't like them. They don't feel like the employer is trying to figure out a way to play the game. They don't feel like the provider is trying to cram stuff down their throat. They feel valued. They feel heard. And so that litigation rate is going to dramatically reduce the cost, the friction, uh, probably increase the return to work, decrease the duration of disability. So it's been interesting as we put this curriculum out with the mindset that we wanted to give this WorkComp 360, everybody's looking at it from a different perspective and implementing it in their own unique way that, that makes the most sense to them. And that, that's what's been fun. We've been having ongoing discussions with these folks and go, gosh, never thought about doing it that way, but that makes all the sense in the world. Maybe the claimant's I, I attorney think, actually, or the claimants are scared of getting representation because they don't want to be put in the trunk. <laughs> you know, I, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe the claimant's attorneys in, in, in a lot of these states have some explaining to do to make me glad to be on this side of the fence. Yeah, uh, really. The, really. I, 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 go ahead, Bob. I, I think if I, I, I could, because your question was really poignant, it was really relevant, and we've talked about what happens when someone goes through this process and 
learns these methods, and, and we've had some great response from early people who have gone through the system. 20-year employees, 20-year, 25-year professionals said, this changed the way I view my job. It's, it's changed the way I've, I look at things. That's a great compliment to us. But what happens when those people get put right back into a system where they've got 200 files and they're putting out fires all day, and the culture you alluded to, the process that's developed, how do we overcome that? We, are, we do recognize we've got a long battle in terms of changing culture in the industry. But one of the things we've done, this is really a community-driven effort. Mark talked about the, the all the faculty. I am amazed, and I would encourage people to go to workcompcollege.com, look up the deans, look up the trustees, and look up the faculty. Just review and see who's actually stepped up. No one's getting rich doing this. Most of them have actually... Uh, are Just for the love of the game. <laughs> well, it is, yep. and there's, there's a little bit of money involved for them. We, we pay them for their time, but most of them, 57% of them so far, have donated it all to charity, mostly to Kids Chance, which is a workers' comp charity. I don't know if you're familiar with Kids Chance. I am, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and um, it, it's a great deal to be able to do this. We're sending thousands of dollars to charity. It's a, it's a great deal. But we want to develop a community. And, and after they've got the certificate, we, we do have an advanced training and education center that's coming out that will have an alumni association component that people can actually – get that support. And, and frankly, I'm not afraid to promote some of the insurance companies that have adopted this as employers of choice. If people are out looking for work, that's a company I'd be happy to recommend because they are they are recognizing that there's a better path. And we often talk about, you know, improving outcomes for injured workers. And you listen to us talk, you listen to our literature, we're always talking about improving outcomes for injured workers. The dirty little secret is if we improve outcomes for injured workers, we're also improving outcomes for their employer. And, and you know, in terms of lower costs, as Mark said, lower litigation, shorter indemnity periods, less medical costs. If we can do that sort of less disability, that's, you know, our tagline is better outcomes, better communities, better world, because we don't live in a vacuum. We, you know, if we can, if we can improve someone's life, uh, the quality of someone's life, we're improving the quality of the community in which they live, you know, theoretically. And so I, but it is a real challenge. It, this is a, a long shift to, uh, I think, a, a better better world. As I said, a lot of us are getting ready to retire, and we want to leave a better industry than what we found. And so that's kind of been our motivation. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a very ambitious goal for, for sure. Uh, but, you know, that that's kind of what every industry needs uh, or every ecosystem, to use your term. And, and yeah. I think about how, uh, you know, what we do from a defense perspective, uh, it's – no one walks in to uh, you know our office and knows everything, right? Even even the the experienced practitioners from an attorney or paralegal level that have had workers' compensation experience, uh, they soon realize. Uh, exactly why I wake up and want to go to work as soon as possible because I'm not so much obsessed with being a workers' compensation attorney. I, I kind of tell my, my my staff and my attorneys that I'm obsessed with being a workers' compensation case handler, right, where we're talking not necessarily about having to fight every single thing, but fight the ones that are worth fighting. Like what, sure. what is that common sense approach that we can take to any claim and decide, you know what, if we just leave our legal brains out of it, 
what is really going on here with this particular case, with this particular claimant, with this particular doctor? Is this something that should be happening? And, you know, sometimes it takes a long time to get to that process. We might need to visit our employer's location and sites to say like, okay, this is how it works over here. These are the uh, apparatus that you use. These are the people that uh, uh, hear about, you know, the reporting structure for certain accidents. And, you know, I have, a, I have a friend who listens to the podcast that jokes that, you know, uh, if I ever get really, really famous, that there's going to be a drinking game for every time I say the words defend from day one, because that's, <laughs> that's my tagline. Uh, you know, uh, it's not as, uh, not as, not as uh, uplifting, I guess, as, as better ecosystem. But uh, essentially, uh, if we investigate accidents from the, the get-go, then we have a better chance of coming to uh, an accurate conclusion of whether or not these uh, claims are compensable or not. And I think from what you're saying, Bob and Mark, in terms of uh, putting putting a system together where someone can learn and then implement, it's got a very long-term, uh, you know, uh, aspect. It's, it's, it's like future-focused as opposed to what I think sometimes the industry uh, gets too caught up in is what's the next case that I have to work? What's the next email yeah. I have to respond to? Yeah. What's the next medical bill that I have to pay? And right. Uh, I think it's 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 an ongoing battle. That's why I think I, what you're doing, I think, is very ambitious. Not to say that it's uh, a bad uh, goal. It's certainly a, a worthwhile goal, but it's very ambitious because the premise of the industry or the ecosystem itself generally pushes all the practitioners and the stakeholders to just yeah. do the next thing, do the next thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think. Uh, you know, it's it's a challenge that you're probably going to continue to face and continue to face and, and, and maybe never actually fully say we've gotten everybody in the industry to realize that the long-term aspect is way more important than the day-to-day. Uh, is, right. Do you think that, that, that it's possible? I mean, I, got, I guess I'm asking a question that I feel like you're going to say yes to, but – Right. Otherwise, you wouldn't said, be here. If I said no, I might as well just retire now. Right, right. And you'd be like, no, no, click. No. We're done with the, yeah, the episode. No, we're done. Thank you very much. <laughs> Attorneys never ask questions you don't know the answer to already, right? Uh, that's so, a great that's point, that's Mark. That's a great point. You'll I, never hear a cross-examination question out of my mouth where I don't already know the answer. So that's a great point. Go. That's right. Well, I, I think one of the things that has been the most heartening for me in this process, um, and, and you're right, it is a challenge. We're, we're doing something that's not been done. And and but one of the things that, that has been the, the biggest surprise I, you know, over the years, I've gotten to know a lot of the regulators, become friends with regulators. Um, I have a, a I have a certain respect for them because they are actually people who are quite often appointed by their governor, um, thrown into a highly bureaucratic system that's already well established. Some of them are not experts in comp when they get there and they have they are they are at ground zero of trying to keep all their stakeholders happy. Um, and one of the things that's been really positive is the response we've received from regulators. We've had multiple agencies and people from agencies tell us anything you need, let us know. If we can help in any way, let us know. We've got um, a former regulator, Abby Hudgens, just retired from the Tennessee Bureau of Workers' Comp. She was the administrator in Tennessee system. She's one of our trustees and one of our deans. Um, but we have two states that actually have employees in our system now assessing it for use for eventual certification or licensure in their state, um, which is a huge compliment to us if, they, if they're able to proceed and pursue that. But it tells us they're recognizing there's a need for a different way, that, 
that we are not in all these cases getting the outcomes that we really should be getting. And it's for the and you're nailing it in terms of why we we are so process driven. You know, we're we're always looking for what the next task is on the list. You know, I. I when I speak at conferences, I will ask uh, claims adjusters, you know, when you get a new file on the desk, what's the most important overriding goal? And inevitably, someone says, close it. They want to close that file. But to close it to what end? Did we close it properly? Did we close it, you know, in the proper fashion? Was it a success for the employer? And was it a su- success for the injured worker? Or did we just get the file off the desk? You know, and I think that we need to start looking at those things just from a societal perspective. And our program isn't suggesting that we need to, you know, uh, when if people hear claim advocacy, they sometimes think that means we just have to pay everything that comes across the desk. That is not the case. You know, obviously, you pay what you're responsible for and you deny what you're not responsible for. But how you do that, and we even have a class um, um, that's been produced, I think it's part of ATEC, isn't it, Mark, that actually talks about how to communicate with injured workers when they've been denied. Um, right. yeah. that, that can help you know, control that, that process and the angst that involves that, that's involved with that. You know, in this day and age, that's kind of an important task to be able to accomplish because, you know, there's a lot of weird things happening out there. You know, we all have security guards and locks on our doors for a reason, right? Um, yeah, it, it, that's, so that's a really interesting to point that. too because what, what you're getting at is a little bit of um, how do we – how do we – change a system that's so deep rooted in one thing, right? And that one thing definitely leads to success on some level, right? But sometimes we have to redefine what success is. And, you know, for instance, I'll get questions from uh, longstanding clients and uh, I'll, I'll say to them, you know what, you don't need me on this one. Right? Maybe you can close it faster by achieving these three things and not using me. I mean, you're talking about uh, a, a, a denied case with an employee who isn't represented. If they hear from me, <laughs> I don't know if they're staying unrepresented, right? You know, may, no, maybe, probably not. <laughs> right? Maybe if they hear from me and they say, who are you? It's like, well, I have yeah. a law degree <laughs> yeah. and I, I represent I may or may not your be company. An attorney. <laughs> <laughs> I represent your company and, uh, yeah. you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. And uh, I think there is definitely a need for something like that uh, because in a volume based industry, not to say that we're making the wrong decisions, but maybe we're not making the most informed decisions when we're talking about how to deal with uh, everything out there. So, you know, you got a, a training course. What would you say, guys, it takes for someone to be certified uh, with your particular accreditation or, or, or um, you know, certificate? What, what, what does a person have to accomplish so that they uh, uh, graduate the college, right? Your work comp college, what, what, what do they have to do to graduate in, in your eyes? It, 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 is a, it is a self-driven course, um, 64 courses across eight, well, actually nine schools. We have a general study section with a couple courses. Um, every course has a test afterwards, and these are not onerous tests, but we want to make sure they're getting the content, they're keeping the content. It's required that they have to have a 70% or greater on the test to pass the test. Um, At the end, there is a final exam, which really comprises a lot of the same information or reviews they've already covered, and they have to get an 80% on the final exam. And then once they've they've watched all the videos in our system, this... 
We wanted this to be a legitimate system that meant something. This is a substantive program about what Mark 51 hours worth of content mm-hmm. over 64 courses. So you have to watch the videos. Our system will not let you fast forward through the lecture. If you try, it will stop you and say, sorry, you've only watched 4%. You have to watch the whole video. I think attorneys um, know that very well with the, the CLEs, the continuing legal education credits that they make <laughs> us do every year. Uh, that's but it. yeah, that is it. And, and to everyone who's listening, don't run away just because he said 51 hours or 64 courses or a test or a final exam. Uh, I, the competitor in me wants to take this test right now and see how good I am compared to what kind of rubric you're, you're going to have. But uh, I, I think that's that's just necessary in the whole whole scheme of things, right? Um, a, a test not to tell you that you failed, but a test to tell you like there are ways we can progress. There are opportunities right. to learn concepts that are changing every single day. And again um, – a case handler versus an attorney, like, of course, I, I love my, my my law degrees, right? Uh, well, I don't, not my plural. I have a singular law degree, but ultimately speaking, the creativity that comes with approaching an old world problem with a new world solution—that's what I'm obsessed about, right? I, I don't want to yeah. do the same things every single day uh, for for um, the same uh, type of structure. It just doesn't make sense, and I think that. Uh, what you guys are proposing is actually what we do in house here at Lois. Uh, you know, there is nobody that can, that is forbidden from recommending something. Uh, you know, we have paralegals that start that say like, "I think we should do it this way," and all of a sudden, our reaction to that and our invitation to that kind of idea leads to more ideas, to lead to more ideas, and that's exactly the person that uh, you know works for us and shows the, off the dynamic way that we can provide a defense. So I think that's yeah. really interesting. I don't want any of our listeners to run away just at the thought of a test because uh, we need tests. We need tests. Just yeah. it's not yeah. gonna it's not gonna uh, change anything. It's just gonna tell you more information, give you more data to succeed because that's what we're all after. Well, uh, we, we would certainly love for you to uh, uh, embrace the program yourself. And, and, you know <laughs> what might be interesting. You'll pro- you could probably ace all the tests on the legal courses because um, you are an attorney or attorneys. Um, <laughs> but um, the uh, you know the medical management. Um, our our deans are an Ahmed doctor with MD Anderson for twenty years and a behavioral psychologist for forty five years. Um, you probably are going to need to watch the lecture and take notes um, in order to pass the test because they're talking about stuff that's not really within your domain. Not that you're not smart. It's just that you've not gone to medical school. You haven't had those direct interactions. You know, Similarly from a humanities, we've got humanities that talks about emotional intelligence and talks about leadership skills and coaching and mentoring and different things. Um, you know, there's a lot of th- about about claims. If you're not on the on the uh, uh, you know, if you're not a claims examiner or a claims adjuster, you probably don't know everything about claims handling that is going to be encompassed in the 11 courses um, <laughs> taught by people who have been there, done that for 20 and 30 years. And so, um, you know, and I, honestly, I think some of the best test questions are ones that have all of the above because it's an affirmation. It's a reaffirmation of what's important um, that they need to pull from that. Um, we uh, uh, publish 10 tips that we provide to each new 
new student. And one of the tips was to journal. Um, this is your idea. These are things that you that we want you to implement in your life. So get a notebook and write Work Comp College on the outside of it. And as you go through course one, write your notes as you go through it. Course two, um, our very first graduate printed every single transcript. It literally was a binder of about three or four inches thick. And she had her own notes and she tested, she um, uh studied for the 100 question uh, final exam she was all into it but she specifically said i have changed how i have done claims i have changed how i've communicated with my colleagues i have changed how i've communicated with injured workers she's been in the business for 20 25 years but what she heard through all these different curriculum and courses was something to go i can do it better and you know to your point it, it doesn't happen immediately it doesn't happen overnight this is a long game we're not in it for the next two years. We're in it for the next decade, you know, and it's going to take people that, um, you know, are interested in doing it. Uh, honestly, there's going to be people that are naysayers and they're not going to be interested in it. Um, you know, those people are, are going to have to get with the program because the next generation is not going to want to do claims like claims was done back in the 1950s or when you put a fax number on your business card. It's just not the way business operates. It's not the way that individuals expect to be served, whether it's at the Dairy Queen or whether it's with their work comp claim. And so we, we feel like starting this and getting early adopters and people that are changing their culture and then documenting the fact that they have gotten better outcomes. They've had their return to work is better. Their duration of disability is reduced. Their litigation rates are lower. The cost of the medical is lower. We're, we anticipate that there's going to be some before and after stories that are going to be very compelling. And then it starts to become FOMO. That's our that's our primary marketing methodology is FOMO, fear of missing out. We want to get people who are interested in doing this and document that they do it and get excited about it, become evangelists for us. And then it becomes this ever-growing community, but we're not in it for the short term by any stretch of the imagination. We know this is going to be a long game. Well, that's that sound you guys hear is uh, every one of my clients trying to figure out who this claims examiner is, who created a three or four inch uh, book of transcripts from your your courses, because I, I, would, I would imagine that someone who is that invested in their own progress is going to be the type of person that, you know, maybe they might even come back to you guys in a year, two years, three years, because we know this industry is going to change or this ecosystem. I got I to gotta, I gotta remember that <laughs> ecosystem. When this ecosystem changes, maybe they come back to you guys and say, like, you know, what has happened in the last three years that I can supplement my own knowledge? knowledge. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, it sounds crazy, but I, you know, I guess and as I say this with all, with, with all the diplomas on the wall, but it's like, if you're not learning, you're not living, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you just, if you just stay in that lane and, and decide to say, this is what I know forever, um, you know, someone's going to pass you, right? Someone's going to pass you eventually. And so I think that, you know, a continued education uh, is, is very, very important. And, and just in case, you know, that anyone is listening to it, you know, you can always take something out of what someone is trying to teach, right? Even even the bad professors, the bad teachers that you have in school growing up, right? Like when you see someone trying to do something and trying to get better at their own craft, I, I mean, I'm sorry if this is sappy, but it's in, it's inspirational to me, right? Like, you know, we're, we're doing this all in, all in our own space and trying to get better every single day. Uh, you know, I, I say this all the time, like I think I'm the best in the world to do what we do, but it doesn't mean that I don't know uh, or that I know everything, right? Because once I've decided that, 
I've fallen to the bottom, right? That's I've already been passed by someone who wants to keep learning. So, uh, you know, I, well, I do. Go ahead. If Mark. you've ever driven in San Francisco a manual stick shift, you know you're either going forwards or backwards on those hills, right? Yeah, those there, those there hills no are concept. not. Yeah, those I, I, those hills are, are are scary to be honest. They I, are you know, not for standard transmission. I, I can now, you know when I drive through the streets of Manhattan, I I think I'm just as much of a pro as you know the Uber drivers and the the cab drivers. But you know I remember driving in San Francisco like years ago, and I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I feel like I'm gonna hit someone with these hills, but. <laughs> You're right. I mean, it's yeah. a good analogy to say like, okay, so you're, you're going to progress and then maybe uh, you're going to feel comfortable, but then you're going to come back up again. Um, so I think that's a, a really good analogy to kind of like end this, right? Uh, so I'll, I'll toss it to you, Bob, maybe for like a final word. If there's one thing that people should try to remember about Work Comp College so that they go to your website so that they see what the courses are about, what's that one thing they have to take away from this? The one thing is really that it is a it is a purely community driven effort uh, developed by dozens of professionals, and with input from even more broader people. We've listened to the input. We've really created a unique program that really doesn't exist anywhere else, and we believe we have a a path that will lead to actually. We talk about better outcomes for injured workers and employers, but let's face it, if we can reduce the stress in the everyday job and make people feel better about what they do, it's better outcomes for the for the employees of workers' comp. And I think that's what we need to remember is we, we've got to create a better work world uh, for our people to work in and exist. And I think that's I think we've got this, the, the formula for that. Well, that's great. Uh, and so for, for, you know, for you guys, Robert Wilson and Mark Pugh, thank you guys for coming on to the show. Um, so uh, on behalf of you guys and to remind everybody here at home, uh, my name is Christian Cisan and I'm reminding you to defend from day one.